Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married 19 years and have seen the fruit in raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from the faith by age 18, and it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in a fallen world. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, everybody. A little bit about marriage today. We versus me in marriage, right? That's right. So we have some questions that we want to ask you. So in the beginning of this, we want to challenge you to think, what mission does God have for your marriage? Mm, powerful. What mission? Now, I'll give you a hint. There are some collective missions that all of us have in our marriages, mm. but then there's unique personal missions, right? Based upon giftedness and different things like that. Um, so be thinking about what your mission is as we're just talking through in our conversation, um, just the thoughts that we've had about how we've grown and changed over the last 20 years being married and how that's impacted the missions that God has for us. If you're married, this episode is going to have a massive impact, really cool things. Some of it probably hasn't been talked about very many places before. So, uh, very, very cool. But I do want to just say, Hey, courageousparenting.com. All the show notes, scriptures, resources we mention, mm-hmm. and uh, you can get your date night one sheet there by mm-hmm. subscribing to our email list if you haven't done that so far. Uh, also, uh, the free parenting workshop, uh, you can sign up for that. People are raving about it. Over 2,000 uh, couples have gone through that or parents have gone through that, which is really cool. And I also want to mention one thing right in the beginning because uh, our friends, um, Steve and Julianne Fallen, got us a Christmas gift that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and each of the kids got a separate card from them mm-hmm. with a wheelchair given to someone in need uh, in another country. And they uh, could choose yeah. where they wanted it to go. And where it was they wanted such it to go. a special gift. It was an amazing gift. And Steve actually was involved in some of the design of these chairs to make them efficient, good, um, but financially financially yeah. efficient too. So mm-hmm. um, you can go to classy.org, C-L-A-S-S-Y.org if you want to donate to that or find out more about it. We'll mm-hmm. also put info in the blog post on courageousparenting.com. But it yeah. is so cool to definitely check it out. It's a neat thing to do as a family. I love that. So in addition, I just want to remind you guys that We are obviously on iTunes. This podcast is on iTunes, but it's also on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. But you can always find the audio and the video that's on YouTube and the show notes with scripture references and links at the Courageous Parenting website, which is CourageousParenting.com. You just go to the menu and you hit podcast and you can see all of the episodes there. So, And we're in season two now, which is exciting. Season two. So have you ever thought about how your spiritual gifts impact your marriage. That is the main topic of today because t- truthfully, depending on your um, your perspective and your motivation behind desiring certain spiritual gifts, right? Because the, the Bible does say that we are to desire spiritual gifts, right? Yeah. And to pray for them and, and to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us, yeah. right? But if we are in marriage coming at this topic of spiritual gifts from an individualistic, independent spirit, right, versus a spirit of oneness and unity in marriage, then 
it could be it could look very different actually and it can cause division i would say before we were married it's been 20 years now i know awesome years yeah and uh we were very independent people yes we were very strong-minded people yeah we you were determined never to get married yeah and i didn't even believe in marriage i know well what, weird? A, what a combo boy <laughs> i mean truthfully yeah we definitely both had to do a lot of dying to our flesh in order to make marriage work biblically right yeah, we had to yeah. die to our flesh in that and so in today's podcast we're going to go over six main points we're mm -hmm. going to share a little bit about our story we're going to talk about spiritual gifts relating to marriage the mission of marriage um, in our weakness, how he's been strong, what the mission God gives each of us, and then the concept of division or unity in marriage. Um, those are the six main points that we're going to go through today. But we wanted to just share with you guys that one of the things that we've been thinking about as we've been reflecting mm -hmm. on the last 20 years of marriage, we've yeah. been observing how we've grown both individually, spiritually, but also collectively as a married couple because we've been becoming one yeah and i and i say becoming one because there there are two, two different aspects biblically to becoming one right yeah yeah the scripture on that I think. yeah so mark 10 verse 7 and 8 says therefore man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh what therefore god has joined together let not man separate Spoken at most weddings. That's right. And it is also repeated. Um, it's actually repeated in Ephesians. And it's also in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. It says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and all of the earth. It goes on and on. In verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Yeah. And I, the reason why I'm pointing that particular scripture out is because it's talking about the oneness of marriage there, male and female mm -hmm. being able to portray God's image and how there's an element of oneness that's there. But then in verse or in chapter two, verses 18 through 24 of Genesis, yeah. it talks specifically about becoming one, meaning like an intimacy, right? And how the two become one flesh. And what's awesome is that God created procreation, right? And then having mm. a child is a, a reflection of another flesh, right? That yeah. two becoming one flesh. That's just really beautiful imagery there. Yeah. Um, so there's those two elements, right? There's the physical element of becoming one flesh, but then there's also the spiritual element of becoming one flesh, which is really dying to our flesh. And this is so important because in your marriage, do you feel like you're both um, running the race together or do you feel like you're running the race alone or do you feel like you're running the race apart from each other and um mm -hmm. you really need to reflect on your marriage because this episode will help you to run the race together and to become much more one much, yeah. become one and become much stronger yes. for the great commission and glorifying and, God. Yeah, and being that image bearer of Christ in the church, right? As we work together, we're much more powerful for God's glory, for yeah. the, the mission that he's given us than if I'm doing something on my own. I mean, ministry is just a perfect example of that. I've been doing Courageous Mom for a really long time, mm -hmm. but doing that on my own, I could not impact as many people as we are able to together. So and who? Let's, so. let's talk about our story. So who were you before we got married? Yeah. And, you know, as we're answering these questions, I just encourage you to think about who you were yeah. before you got married, right? Mm -hmm. Who are you and who were you before you got married? Um, I, like you mentioned, I was very independent and um, 
I thought that I was showing God's glory by being strong. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is definitely reflective of the influence of the culture of the age Mm -hmm. and this movement of women wanting to prove that they can do things on their own and that they're not dependent upon any man. And like, right. A little feminism. A a little bit of feminism in me. Um, And God definitely humbled me and humbled that out of me very quickly with becoming pregnant right away after we got married and I was very weak. I became very aware of my physical weakness Mm. and my need for help. Mm. And at the time, we didn't have anyone in biblical community with us because we were new to the area, so I needed you. And before we were married, you were in Christian college. You were planning to be celibate, be a missionary girl, go out Mm -hmm. there, change the world for Christ. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting is I think I've shared this before maybe in the parenting program, but... I had a mentor at the time who was a single missionary, right? And so I looked up to her and I wanted to be like her, Mm. really. And I was um, just meeting with her and I was telling her about you and that you knew you kept saying, I know that we're going to get married. And I'm like, no, we're not. And, Mm. And I was really wrestling with that. And she was like, Angie, I think that you have the wrong perspective on marriage. And she kind of rebuked me. Not kind of. She did. She rebuked me. It was a form of exhortation. And she said, I think that you are underestimating the power of two. And yeah. then she went over the scriptures that talk about where two are toiling together. When one falls, the other can pick each other up. And yeah. she went into the scripture and I didn't realize that she had such a heart and a passion for marriage, though she was single, meaning she saw that it was an an image bearing, God glorifying pursuit, even though God hadn't called her to that yet. Yeah. And she was 45 at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, she did end up getting married like at 50, 51. But I was shocked that I was getting that message from her where she was like, you know what? You have a totally different ministry once you're married. Yeah. It actually opens it up to a different level of ministry, a different kind of ministry. And so I that was when I was challenged to rethink everything that I had believed so strongly. Yeah. Um, but But... It's been a journey. Like my point in saying this becoming one versus, you know, just you don't get married and then all of a sudden you're one and you're of the same mind and same spirit and same. No, I mean, there's like shackles of independence and selfishness that the Holy Spirit over time has sanctified and is still sanctifying me and you too, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like how we talk about how everyone has their own spiritual journey with the Mm -hmm. Lord, right? And they're on a different growth trajectory. Every married couple also has that same kind of journey of becoming more and more one yeah, or not. Yeah. And before we got married, I was uh, a college student, but I was also with Cutco, the direct sales company. And mm-hmm. I was in a management capacity uh, in the summers mm-hmm. running my own business where I recruited and trained salespeople mm-hmm. and had staff and uh, office space and all of did advertising. All these things were happening. And uh, I was doing really, really well at that. I was a non-believer mm-hmm. um, when I first met you. Yeah. And I remember like you, so I actually worked for Isaac. I came in, had an interview And I remember watching him run the interview and seeing like 60 college age students looking at him with so much admiration and taking notes and just being kind of enthralled, really, just by listening to him communicate. And I remember thinking, oh, man, this guy has a gift. And if he was saved, how many people would come to know the Lord was what what I thought back then. What's interesting is I didn't know about the gift of speaking or teaching in me until 
maybe two years prior to meeting you. Yeah. And so I grew up from zero to 21 or 22, not knowing I had that gift because there was no opportunity really to exercise it. Yeah. I didn't do something challenging enough um, or it wasn't directed well enough mm -hmm. to be able to discover that. So that's something for your kids. What could your kids discover at a younger age and become more fruitful and earlier mm -hmm. and really know who they are because you're encouraging their gifts? Yeah. And it's interesting though. So I saw that in you, but I didn't have that gift. Like I, I had, I was deathly afraid of standing up and speaking in front of crowds. Mm -hmm. I wasn't um, very clear at communicating. I definitely was not a writer. There are all these aspects of who I am today in Christ that I was not, even though I was in Christ, I had other giftings. Um, and it's just interesting to look back and go, wow, like God's grown that in me. And I see that as a way that he's helped me to be a better helper to you and matching our gifts mm -hmm. together, which is one of the main like topics of this conversation is yeah. um, a lot of things that we've noticed with couples is that oftentimes they are thinking independently with their spiritual gift. Oh, I right? wonder what my spiritual gift is so that I can, so that I can be, so that I have. Right, versus God, what gift do you want me to be walking in and stewarding so that I can help my spouse, my husband, because this is our my first ministry. And um, I just think that there's an element of like not realizing that or even having that conversation mm -hmm. that we talk about how in marriage we can complement one another. There's that saying the opposites attract and there is actually a very true aspect to that in marriage, mm -hmm. you and I are very opposite in many ways. Many ways. Um, but at the same time, what's interesting is we've become more alike in more things as the years have gone on. And it's it's actually me that's changed more, mm. I think, in some ways. Maybe uh. you have a different perspective. But I, like, for example, just being able to even get on a podcast and share that was not who I was raised to be or, like, I... I just never saw that in myself, right? Um, and it if it wasn't for you encouraging me to blog and setting up a blog for me and encouraging me to write a book, like you've pushed me to do all of the things that I've done for the Lord that I never would have had the courage to do if I was, it would have never been an idea that I didn't actually accomplish. Yeah, you usually told me no about a dozen times before. Before I started taking action? Before you started, in the early days. That's true. In the early, with the blog at least. And there was yeah. a big big thing that you're wired or geared at the time to not want to offend a single person in the world. I was very much a people pleaser. And, and I still struggle with that. There's an awesome, amazing part of that, mm -hmm. but you couldn't do the things you're doing unless you overcame that mm -hmm. and exercise gifts that are going to cause friction, not because you want to, but because you're taking a stand. It's interesting on that note, Jesus, we just read that Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, mm -hmm. but the sword. And and if we're coming in Jesus' name, sometimes what we are going to preach is going to, to ruffle feathers, right? If we're preaching the gospel, the Bible says that we'll be persecuted because of his name, right? And so if we're not experiencing some of that tension, then we probably are too watered down and we're too much like the culture. But that, even that, that truth, yeah, I would never have owned that if it wasn't for you preaching that to me over and over again and saying, oh, no, this is good and bringing different perspective to the struggles I was experiencing back then. Well, in my spiritual growth, obviously, I knew at the very beginning I was the spiritual leader of the family because that's what the Bible says. And I was new to the Bible, but yeah. I was voraciously reading it and understanding that that's super important. And um, 
But you had a big influence on my motivation to learn mm-hmm. doctrine and become more in Christ to really in understanding so that I could yeah. lead our family. So you were a big catalyst to that after I became a believer mm-hmm. to like, wow, she's, she knows a lot. I got to, I got to get, get things together here. But I think part of it too, is that I didn't make you, I tried not to make you feel uh, less spiritually. You didn't like at all. Nope. Um, but I would ask questions and I would share with you the things I was excited about learning about. And then you would come with your opinion and study the scripture. And we enjoyed talking about these things together. Yeah. Which I think is what all couples, regardless of spiritual gifting, all couples should enjoy studying the word together and talking about the Lord together. Right. Yeah. Cause he's what the center of our marriage is supposed to be. On. I really felt at an early age that or early in our marriage yeah. that you were very supportive, very encouraging, would pray for me. Mm-hmm. And um, like you prayed that I would find a mentor, a man in my life. Yeah. And then boom, it happened. Yeah. It was really incredible. So very supportive instead of going, Oh, I'm going to go exert my own gifts and do this thing over here. Mm-hmm. You were very supportive of, mm-hmm. you know, me growing in that way and mm-hmm. leading our family and so forth. Almost you. like you were cognitively trying to become Less, not in value, but no, less. No, I did. I stepped back and tried to be. So more. that yeah. I could become more, not mm-hmm. more valuable, but more no. in terms of spiritual leadership. Yeah. yeah. It was a cognitive choice that I made to step back and wait patiently. Yeah. And it was um, not easy. It was smart. One aspect of that was me stepping out of ministry. I shared recently on Instagram an yeah. old blog post that I wrote about how I stepped, I resigned from four ministries in one day, but it wasn't just four ministries I resigned from. I actually pulled out of participating in two others. So there were six that I stopped participating in, yeah. um, in leadership capacities and in just participating roles. And it was partially in that heart desire to really figure out how I could best encourage my husband. And I felt like I was growing towards God, but in a different direction than he was growing towards God. And because of that, our passions were not completely in alignment Mm -hmm. and there was tension. So like when I would want to have hospitality, for example, and hosting a Bible study, you were always supportive, but it was always, there was always tension around who's going to watch the kids because you were like having a meeting and trying to like witness to employees, which Mm -hmm. was of its own right, very, very important. And so I was convicted that I needed to be more about the mission that God had impressed upon my husband's heart. And that meant having to make some choices and pull away from things that I was super passionate about and to join him. And I found so much value and purpose in that. Oh, yeah. So point two is about spiritual gifts and how to desire the Mm -hmm. gifts but we should desire them that in a way that and use them in a way that creates more unity versus less in our marriage. In yes. our marriage, which yeah. is super important. But real quick, let's listen from the people that have gone through the parenting mentor program. Which mm-hmm. oh, this is going so well. We're so excited about <laughs> yeah, everybody it's been in exciting. it and the the feedback. And God mm-hmm. is using that program, the six week self paced uh, program, really well. So mm-hmm. let's listen to these people. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture based teachings and just some really great practical applications. 
This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. So awesome. So let's dive into spiritual gifts right here in Romans 12, three through five. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, Mm -hmm. but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another. So um, super, super important. So obviously it's talking about church, Right. But we can take that into our marriage too mm-hmm. and go, wow, God's growing us, but also yes. with different gifts to complement each other mm-hmm. uh, to be more powerful for God's glory. And I, you know, this particular section of, we're always reading in Romans 12, right? Like this has been oh, one of the theme we verses. Love we love chap- yeah. this chapter, but um, this is talking specifically about gifts of grace. But in what I think was really important in here is that it's talking about thinking about yourself with sober judgment, mm-hmm. not to think too highly of yourself, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. And it's it's actually talking about how individually we're members of one another, which is just interesting that in marriage, God is saying two are becoming one, right? You're not individual, yeah. you're members of one another. And that's why this is so powerful. And having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then it goes on and it shares some gifts of grace. And this is also in context, I mean, if we're taking the whole Bible and we're reading through 1 Corinthians um, and we're looking at the, in chapter 12, it has a whole list of spiritual gifts in there, mm-hmm. um, which we'll cover in a, in a little bit here. Um, but I just think that it's important that when it comes to spiritual gifts to have the perspective of priorities of ministry. Okay, so oftentimes people can be so focused on growing spiritually in their spiritual gift or exercising their spiritual gift that it's actually a haughty thought. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a selfish, prideful thought. I need to exercise my gift. Right. Or thinking individually. What's your gift? What's your gift? What's your gift? Right. And there there's an element of like, yes, God has given gifts. He's dispersed them individually among the body for the edification Mm -hmm. of all so that no one grows prideful, Mm -hmm. right? So no one can boast. So God gets the glory. We work as a team. But in the context of marriage, your spiritual gifts and gifts of grace don't disappear Mm -hmm. as you're moving and doing ministry together. And marriage is our first ministry, right? And if God has blessed you with children, Your children are your second ministry Mm -hmm. in disciple making. That's for everyone who has kids, right? And so in the context of thinking about marriage, going, do we actually purposefully try to steward the gifts God has given us to edify our spouse Mm -hmm. and work together in marriage so we can better glorify God, the image bearing thing that we get, we get to be image bearers in our marriage of Mm -hmm. Christ in the church when we're actually exercising our gifts together. And the the difference is that when you're thinking individually, 
you could be going off in one direction mm-hmm. and your husband can be going off in a totally different direction and there's less unity there and there can even be tension. Like I just think about, do you remember years ago when I was like teaching Sunday school and we had all these little kids and I was like, I need to be doing this because I'm trained in this and I can trust right. the church in this. And you were supportive, but you were like, babe, this is hard. Like I'm taking the kids home. I'm trying to put everybody down for naps and feed them and you're not there. And it's Sunday, right? And we just felt yeah, what separated. Are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? You actually said that. What are you, What are we doing here? This isn't edifying our family in the first ministry that God's given yeah. us. So then I stepped out of that. Right. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. I mean, this is stress on our family. Sunday's not a Sabbath anymore. It's tense, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, and to evaluate that and go, our our first ministry is our marriage, our second ministry is our kids. And then next beyond that is being able to be a part of the body of Christ, but realizing that we are doing the Great Commission if we are if our marriage is doing well. And I would even say if a wife is pursuing gifts that are taking her in a different direction than her husband, then it's probably going to demotivate most husbands Mm. from actually leading their families. It's going to do the very opposite. Opposite. And so that's why I shared that story of us because I felt like you did a really good job of that. I didn't become less so you could become more. I became less so God could become more. Amen. I mean, we talk about that all the time. Like there's even songs that we sing as worship, like less of me and more of you, Jesus, right? And and I just think that if we were actually applying that in marriage and we were like less of me, more of you, Jesus, what that means is sometimes we sit back and we wait and we pray and we... We encourage our husbands, but it doesn't. It does not mean you don't study the Bible. No, or you not don't at all. Grow spiritually, that's not what we're talking In about. Fact, you should totally be growing spiritually. Yes, regardless. and doing that helps yeah. me to actually be more humble. Yeah, actually, I. It's not a fleshly thing to yeah. step out of ministry. It's not a. It's not a fleshly. Like if you have a desire to do something and you choose to walk in obedience, it's because the spirit is moving in you, not your flesh. And so I had to really be in the word and be studying the word to even hear God in making those hard decisions, which was put my family first so that later I'm actually qualified to be a Titus two teacher. Yeah. Because if I put ministry before my marriage, before my family, my marriage and family might not be there in 10 years because I've had my priorities wrong. And- your your the husband might not be able to be an elder or a deacon someday, right? Because they don't qualify. Their children are not in submission. They didn't do the right things when they're younger. Their marriage isn't strong. And legacy. Let's even think about legacy, right? Like, do your kids even want to get married? Mm-hmm. Do they just see tension and people like fighting to use their spiritual gifts, or or a husband that's not walking in spiritual leadership, and a and a wife that's intense and strong. Now, and passivity of a husband started at the Garden of Eden, Eden, but mm-hmm. it is um it is definitely the husband's responsibility and fault. But the wife can also be at fault. Um, and by so trying to rule over by her trying, husband. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of things. Sometimes you may not realize mm-hmm. that discourage, demotivate, mm-hmm. um, make the husband feel less than, or how could I ever lead her? And so you should have these discussions and talk about it because God made you very, very different so that when you're combined, you're more powerful for the kingdom of God. And if you're not communicating about these things, there's unspoken demotivators potentially Mm -hmm. that are 
creating a blockage from you guys being this magnificent team that can do far more and this unity that you'll feel in your marriage that feels so good. And out of that unity in marriage, so much good fruit comes out of that through your kids. That's true. I think that there's an element too that goes back again to the Garden of Eden where I think it's in chapter two. Let me just go back there in Genesis chapter two. And it says, yeah, verse 18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit Mm -hmm. for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And it just continues on. And then it it said helper, not leader. Right. And then it said in verse 22, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And and then it goes on. It's just such a beautiful passage. But I also think that like God made Eve for Adam. There yeah. was a uniqueness there that he made her as a helper, fully suited to help her husband. And if we believe that we could be let's just say compatible to any person out there. And we made a choice to get married and that, that, you know, now it's a choice. I mean, of course, love is always a choice every day, right? Mm -hmm. We have to work hard at marriage. But the reality is, is I actually view that God made me specifically suited to be your wife. I believe that. Why wouldn't we believe it was a divine appointment that you met each other? Right. And and to even believe that there is there was a grand design, there was a purpose, there was a plan, there was a mission. He has given gifts and specific talents and that we're to steward together because he has a unique mission for us, mm-hmm. just like he has for you. And when you believe that, there leaves no room for the enemy to go, oh, well, you, you yeah, you're, you're compatible with him, but you could have chose him. And then that leaves room for the, what if I was married to him? Mm. Or what if I was married to her? Which is totally of the devil. Yeah. It's completely of the devil. You cannot think those thoughts. You need to realize that God chose you to be married to the person that you're married to, to com- com- be compatible together, to be image bearers of Christ Therefore, in the church. we're never going to look at another marriage and go, let's become like that. Right. No, you're going to go, God, reveal in us how you want us to grow together and what do you want us to do? Yes. It's a different perspective, right? So we were talking about individualistic, um, independent spirits, Mm -hmm. right? Which are like all about me and using my spiritual gifts. So if I was doing that and I was going this direction Mm -hmm. and Isaac was doing that and he was going that direction, he could potentially meet other people who are passionate about what he thinks his gifts are, right? Mm -hmm. And I could potentially meet people over here. And then there could be the temptation for even like an emotional affair, Mm -hmm. actually, which would be extremely dangerous. And wouldn't the devil just love to do that? And so the reality is is like i look it's interesting guys like who was angie i was not a writer i was not a speaker i was not able to do any of the i have learned everything that i have been doing is totally the lord amen because i was scared to speak in front of people Mm -hmm. i've been scared to do a lot of things i was scared to write my book right Mm -hmm. but you don't have that same emotional weakness that I had. And you helped me to be strong where I was weak. And Amen. you pushed me to do what God was calling us collectively to do together to prepare this mission field. Yeah. Right. And so it's just interesting that like speaking, I learned from you. Hmm. Right. Um, And I help you with the writing aspect, which I didn't know until we were homeschooling. Look at that. Like that was redemptive for my education, right? There's just so many aspects that I look over the 20 years and I go, God, you are so good. Like Mm -hmm. we can't take credit for any of this. 
And isn't that how he works? Like he works in our weakness so that he's glorified. So what we a, can't. What boast. about the marriages that are like, we don't have that groove. We don't know what's complimentary and we're not yeah. working together like that. Is that possible for me when everything seems so hard? Well, what's interesting is we actually, it, it, we've thought about this and talked to other couples about this as well. And sometimes it's the most obvious thing that you don't value, right? Like don't people accidentally value the wrong spiritual gifts? Mm -hmm. I know that it's just a temptation that we have. The comparison trap is set by the devil mm -hmm. and it's his way of disabling the church from actually functioning and doing the great commission and making disciples. Yeah. And so we need to be aware of that trap and not look at other people and desire their gifts, but look at the word of God, look at our husband look at the mission and passion that he's put on him, submit to that headship and that leadership and go, Lord, equip me to be the best help me that I can be. And you would be surprised and shocked by the gifts that he will give you. And a lot of times, like even gifts of service, gifts of help, those are wildly overlooked and underappreciated, but massively important to setting the culture of the church, mm -hmm. setting biblical community, serving one another, lo truly loving one another, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people look at gifts like teaching, for example, and they'll put it on a pedestal and God's word actually tells us to take it off that pedestal it does not belong there. No. Nope. And so what did Jesus do? He got on his hands and feet and he washed the disciples' feet. Yeah. He was a servant leader and he told us to do it to one another. So, And that's point three, the mission of marriage, mm -hmm. our first ministry. And uh, our marriage can be image bearers of, you mm -hmm. know, he uses the example of the body of Christ. Yeah. I and mean, we read this scripture in, in Genesis already, but it when it talks about how we were made in his image and he made us male and female in his mm -hmm. image and how we become one and mm -hmm. we are better image bearers of Christ in the church. And it's just important to not diminish that ministry. I think people overlook it because they value ministries that are seen by others, right? Yeah. That are out there more wildly. And um, we just need to realize that God has equipped us for a unified mission that's going to bring him glory. And when couples seek to be a team with their spouse, then at the end of 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, you look back on your marriage and you go, wow, look at this journey that we've been on of becoming more and more one. Yeah. And that's what I like that to me is the core of this message. Like for us to be able to look back on the last 20 years and go, we have been on a journey of becoming more and more one together and in vision, in mission, in yeah. helping one another, in serving one another. It's amazing. And I really do believe that that's one of the main reasons why God's giving us a, a place to be able to encourage other people. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you to, if you are a young, engaged person, or if you are newly married, like the or even if you've been married 20 years to ask God, like, Lord, how can I be more one with my husband or my wife? Right. Like the guy could ask that. And then this word submission comes into play. That's right. Which is um, in this world, not a popular word. And, it's not. And so we're equal in value. We've said mm -hmm. this on other episodes. God says that in the Bible, mm -hmm. equal in value, but different roles. Think of any sports team that's really successful. Think of any company that's really successful, organization that's mm -hmm. really successful. There are roles and there's authority mm -hmm. and there's submission to different authorities. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes things work. Committees with equal power 
hardly ever get, get things done. done. Yeah. So it's really, really important that we understand we're equal in value, but we embrace our God-given roles. And too often, guys, we're not embracing our God-given role fully of leadership. And leadership isn't lording over. Leadership isn't controlling. Leadership isn't making somebody do necessarily what they don't want to do. It is encouraging. It's empowering. Mm -hmm. It's truth-telling. It's teaching. It's praying for. It's servant. How can I serve my wife? It's even delegating Delegating. to people who have gifts and things that you know you don't, right? Like I even think yesterday, just choosing. We took our kids out for dinner because we spent a whole day shooting videos. In fact, if you're watching the video of this podcast, you probably see some Young Living stuff around us. And that's because we shot a ton of videos yesterday for a new course that we're giving to those that are part of the Courageous Mom Essentials team. Um, But because we spent that day shooting, we took the kids out for dinner. And before we went anywhere, there was a disagreement between the children of where we were going to eat. And Isaac didn't necessarily know what would be the best decision for the family. And he knew that I would because I usually order for everybody. So he goes, Angie, you decide. He led the family by saying, Angie, you decide. Right. And so it's not like when you're leading, it's not always that you're even making the decision. It's that you're delegating to the person that is going to make the wisest decision for everybody. Sometimes when it comes to decisions, taking initiative. Exactly. Whereas I would have been very waffle. I was very waffle, right? I'm like, oh, I could eat there. I could. That sounds yummy. And I'm like not making a decision. And you're just like, nope, we're making a decision, Angie, to choose. You know, and it just, it happened it faster. And so. Well, it's because you're pregnant and, you know. Well. Some but, things go well with pregnancy and, <laughs> and not so well. Yes. <laughs> but I think of all those years, you've done that many times in mm-hmm. different ways, whether you've delegated something to me or just even one of the kids, taking that leadership to get things done. Yeah. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says in verse three, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. This, you can't ignore there are so many scriptures that talk even about wives be submissive to your husbands and likewise if you, husbands if die you for your wives. This, if, if you don't agree with this part of the Bible, it's like those reports, those secret reports that come out with the black, blacked over sentences all over. Your Bible, you'd have to take a black marker and black oh out goodness. a whole bunch of scriptures. You're so oh, funny. No, you don't believe in that. Let's black that <laughs> out. Oh, no, we got it. This book too. Yeah. Black it out. It's all throughout the rolls. And so it it is a truth and it's beautiful when it's happening correctly. When men are leading with love and a willingness to die for their wives. Like that's what he's saying. Like that's not an easy word. That's heavy. Yeah. Right? And wives are instead of initiating before the husband and leading, they're allowing the husband, even Mm -hmm. if they're slower at getting to it, Mm -hmm. they allow them to lead. Now, does that mean the wives aren't leading when the husbands are home. Oh, I hope you're leading. I hope you're reading yeah. the Bible to your kids. But what does it yeah. do? Like, so we've had that actual experience as far as like, even in communication, we've learned over the years where, I mean, I still sanctified in this, just being more patient because mm. you'll, when you do speak, it's just like such wisdom, but sometimes it so. takes you a while to get to that place where you feel comfortable to say all your thoughts. Right. Or just, you know, some people are wired in a way where one second seems like an eternity. That would be me. (laughs) (laughs) And so for us, but being patient and having long suffering, long suffering, it's interesting that God puts the word long in long suffering because that that means it isn't a short period of time. It's a long period of time. And it's actually a good godly character quality that is grown in us as women to learn what it means to be patient 
and to be kind and to be gentle. And it's all the fruits of the spirit, right? Like we actually, when we're walking in the flesh, it's it's hard to be those things. When we're walking in the spirit, it's easier. Which is perfect segue right into point four, which is in our weakness, he is mm-hmm. strong. His glory, right, mm-hmm. is the whole pursuit here. Our marriage should glorify Christ. Mm-hmm. It should look so different that people want what you have. And they're just curious. We should be peculiar to them, right? Yeah. And I mean, your kids are like, I can't wait to get people. married. I want a marriage like yeah. my parents. Right. And if you don't have that, then be Something praying for it. Something needs to change. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I think part of this too is um, when it comes to submission, submission, um, being under a mission is another way to look at that word submission. I've heard yeah. it taught that where it's sub under a mission, which is interesting because we're talking about the mission of your marriage yeah. and we're talking about um, the power of being a team and seeing God give gifts that complement one another and working together in a mission, right? Yeah. So obviously submission has to be a part of that. And it's a really beautiful perspective to be under your mission or your husband's mission, right? Um, but that is out of our comfort zone. It's humbly. It requires humility, not being haughty in our own eyes, thinking that we're too good for something, right? Or, oh, my gifts aren't being used because I'm really good at this. But instead, growing because we're pushed into our weakness, that's yeah. when we grow. That's when God's most glorified and seeing, oh, God actually wants to grow this in me. And this is going to be a challenge, but that challenge is actually a good thing. Here's an exercise uh, for the wives, which is when you want to understand something better about the Bible, you know, instead of Googling it, looking at your favorite person that gives sermons online, mm-hmm. ask your husband when he gets home. Yeah. I mean, we've done that. I've, there have been many times where I've asked you and it's like, well, now I'm going to do research. That's I keep a good, hearing, it's a good challenge. Oh, I'm going to have to do research. <laughs> I just love that because yeah. that's how we're sharpening one another. Right. And I, I think that it's also important, like we're going to go to the, the, the fifth thing here, which is what mission does God have for your marriage? Obviously your marriage is your first mission. Your second mission, if you have children is disciple making. And then there's edifying the body as a team, right? Using your gifts together as a team and in the Great Commission. Like the whole purpose of the body of Christ is the Great Commission. So you'd have misapplied desire if you're desiring your gifts to be used outside of those Mm -hmm. first priorities if they're not already being used well and if those areas of your Mm -hmm. life are not going well. So it'd be misapplied desire because Mm -hmm. if you don't have this right, like nobody can be an elder or a deacon unless their home is right. That's the Bible true. says yeah. nobody can be in a leader in a church unless they have that dialed in. Yeah. Not perfect because right. obviously we're human and the, our kids are Just on their own. Just look at 1 Timothy 3. Yeah. I mean, it's a really a powerful message. One. And so what it requires is humility and stepping into embracing the season God has for you and doing diligently the work that he's told us to and training up our children in the way they should go and putting our marriage first, right? Because if you don't do that in the first 20 years, you're not going to be able to be in ministry when you're older, right? Yeah. And and the enemy knows that. So he's going to try to distract you. He's going to try to trip you up over and over again. And so, you know, when you're thinking about what mission you have together, you got to take take inventory. What are the gifts that your husband has? What are the gifts that God's given you? Are they like, let's list off a bunch. Um, is it uh, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge? Spiritual discernment. Prophecy. Is it service? Or teaching. Um faith or healing or miracles i mean tongues interpreting yeah i mean there's just so many 
there's so many ways that we can be working together as a team for the glory of God, yeah. right? And we cannot underestimate the power of the marriage team. That is the point. And if we are dissatisfied and we don't know what our spiritual gift is, the first person we should go to is our spouse, yeah. actually. And we should be encouraging that in each other and not be looking to glorify ourselves by trying to um, compare to other people's gifts, but truly embrace the marriage that God has chosen us to be a part of and look at the tools we have there and be content. And if we're not content and satisfied, recognize that God's really growing in us. He's challenging us in a different arena, which is humility. So what's the question someone could ask if they feel like things are off in their marriage and they think, I want to discover if I'm part of the problem here right? regarding what I'm I would desiring. say, is your marriage um, reflecting unity in mission or is it reflecting division in your mission. And you just need to evaluate what are the first missions God's given us. We've gone over multiple times here, your marriage, your family, and the body of Christ, the great commission. And, you know, part of that, obviously you have your relationship with God and knowing him, mm -hmm. um, that is a different relationship. But when we're talking about ministry, we, God is the reason why we do ministry. And we need to really be honest and take the rose-tinted glasses off and ask the Lord to search our hearts and to evaluate if our marriage is becoming more and more one or if we're potentially growing apart. And so in Ephesians, uh, let's see here, Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So awesome. And so that last point is, are you pursuing division or are you or pursuing unity? unity? And we just really are praying for you guys that you would be growing in your marriages and that your kids would have a new, they would be recipients of a new legacy that's kind of foreign in today's culture, right? Where they see their parents who love each other, are committed to one another, are growing in the Lord towards each other um, and are serving God and pursuing being an active part of the body of Christ and fulfilling the Great Commission together. Amen. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, Isaac and I release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you and your spouse to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. It's an incredible program where we cover everything from obedience, training, to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's an incredible community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentorship program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.